0: Section thirty-eight of Frontier Humor in Verse, Prose and Picture. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Frontier Home in Verse, Prose and Picture by Palmer Cox, a mass battery. I learned by an evening paper that an old lady in the lower part of the city today while burning some cast-off garments through an old vest belonging to her son-in-law into the fireplace. A Remington rifle cartridge happened to be slumbering in one of the pockets. It awakened, and therefrom hangs a piece of crank. This draws me on to fasten upon paper an incident that happened in the mountains some years ago. I was spending a few days in the mines at the time with a friend named Collier, who was working a claim back of Sonora, He had three partners in the concern. One was an old fellow named Twitchell, who at some time in his life had been judged in a Supreme Court in one of the southwestern states, I forget which. At all events, they called him Judge, and he bore the title with becoming dignity. Another was a dark-looking, one-eyed Swede who wore a large green patch over the empty socket. This seemed to add a double brilliancy and fire to the other optic and gave to him rather a ferocious appearance. He would have passed anywhere for a buccaneer of at least fifteen years cruising. Yet he was quite a mild and peaceable man for all his demonical aspect. The third was a Vermonter named Theodore Arthur Willoughby Spooner, called Spoon for short, they occupied a small log cabin near their claim and were like miners, generally hopeful if not happy. One evening, Theodore Arthur Willoughby Spooner was rummaging over some old articles left in the cabin by a former occupant. Among them, he found an odd-looking pistol, which the rest of years had rendered worthless. The weapon was an uncommon one. I never saw anything like it before or since, and it is my daily prayer that I never may. It was a ten-shooter, with nine chambers for bullets, and a tenth and larger barrel for throwing buckshot slugs, walnuts, small onions, or potatoes. In fact, it was capable of receiving almost anything not exceeding a billiard ball in size. Such an awe-inspiring shooting iron would be invaluable to a footpad or road agent. It was particularly suited for men of this stripe. For the man who would not blanch, settle down on his knees, and surrender up his valuables when that battery was leveled at his head, must be brave indeed. After we had examined it for some time, and vainly endeavored to raise the hammer, the one-eyed Swede took it. In trying to revolve the chambers, he dropped it unswervingly upon Judge Twitchell's favorite corn it weighed about as much as a good sized anvil and no person who had experienced the peculiar sensation that shoots along the nerves from an injured corn could blame the judge for indulging in a little profanity about that time smarting under the contusion he grabbed the instrument and in an erring moment flung it into the fire not a man of that little assemblage but would have given his days' pan out to have the pistol out of the flames again but neither wished to assume the responsibility of poking for it. The confounded thing hadn't been fully canvassed, and we didn't know whether or not it was loaded or which way it was aiming. It might be pointing out at the door or up the chimney, or it might be leveled at a fellow's very vitals. There was a sort of creeping uncertainty about the whole thing that was calculated to inspire Solemn in serious reflection and make us sit uneasily upon our stools we were not long in doubt however for in ten seconds after the villainous look in settled into the glowing embers there was no foot of space no nook or corner within the wooden walls of that humble dwelling that was a good place for a man to be who was not fully prepared to exchange worlds file firing commenced on the right of the fireplace under cover of burning brands there was a sharp report a cloud of ashes and a shower of coals and amid the general din the stem and bow of the meerschaum and the teeth of theodore Arthur willoughby spooner dissolved partnership at once and forever at the same instant the old water pitcher jumped from the table mortally wounded in the abdomen during the next few moments there was extraordinary ground and lofty tumbling inside the cabin not because i was possessed of greater fear or less courage than any other party but because i felt that i had more to live for i was the first to reach the open air the judge was following close at my heels but in his blind haste he tripped in the doorway and blocked the passage it was at this critical moment that the leapfrog performance commenced the antics of cerini's circus troupe during their most brilliant achievements dwindled into mere schoolboy exercise when compared with gymnastic efforts of excited miners. out came my friend collier over the prostrate form of the judge and the one-eyed swede over collier his hair erect and his one dilated eye standing in bold relief from his dark face like the ornamental stud on a horse's blinker last though not least interested or frightened came theodore Arthur willoughby spooner sailing like a flying squirrel over the one-eyed swede in the meantime the pistol was jumping about in the fire like a fish in a scoop net showering bullets in every direction the clock hung silent upon the wall having received a charge of buckshot full in the face and the dog lay dead upon the hearthstone chickens come home to root saith the old proverb and indeed it would seem so for poor judge twichel Whose rashness brought about the whole calamity received a parting salute, a farewell shot, just as he had gathered himself on all fours to make a final lunge from the fuselage within. Fortunately, the wound was not a fatal one, though severe enough to keep his memory green for weeks. Some time elapsed before any person would venture back into the cabin after the firing ceased. No one had kept count of the shots or knew at what moment the battery might open again. We probably would have remained out all night rather than take any chances, but the coals which had been thrown over the cabin started a brisk fire in half a dozen different places, and we were obliged to run some risk to extinguish the flames and save the place. End of section 38, read by Julie Taylor, December 9, 2021.